This morning's sermon text comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you, have, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Excuse me. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me that does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the work of the works themselves. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Right, let's pray together this morning. Father, we are so grateful that you have gathered us as your people. This morning, we are so grateful that you have given us these words of assurance, these words of comfort, and these words of confidence here in John chapter 14. Well, I pray this morning that you would make us attentive and receptive to your speaking in your word. I pray that you would help us to understand your word, and Lord, I pray that as we leave here, as we depart, that you would help us live and to do your word. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. So uh, I have to say, I am very excited to be here, to be able to, uh, to preach this sermon this morning. I'm especially excited to be able to do it because I wasn't able uh, to do it last week. Um, if you were here last week or you just happen to know, uh, I was sick last week like everybody else, uh, and so I was, I was unable to be here. Um, I'm doing much better now. Um, now I, can't, I cannot guarantee you that I won't uh, have to stop and cough up a lung for a second, uh, but I can't tell you it's not COVID because it turns out I ended up with three COVID tests last week, so um, it was a long week, but uh, anyway, I'm really glad to be able to come to you and to, um, and to be able to preach this this morning, but this message of sermon is, is especially special to me, uh, not so much for that reason, but because of how uh, the Lord used it for me in, in preparing for this, how he spoke to me through his word and through the preparation of this message, and my prayer and my hope is that he would be able to do the same thing for all of you this morning. So, that said, I do have to begin with a confession. Uh, my confession is that I did not handle a lot of the worst days of the pandemic very well. I'm assuming that these, you know, the worst days are not ahead of us, you know, Lord willing, but uh, some of the worst days, I, did, I didn't handle it well, right? Uh, or at least not as well as I had hoped, right? You remember way back when it all started, and we were all kind of like, we're all hopeful, right? We're optimistic. We're like, you know, these, these few weeks away in my house are going to be good for me, right? I'm going to get so much closer 
to the Lord, and I'm going to grow spiritually. This is just going to be a time of intimate communion with him, and I'm just going to grow so much spiritually. Well, that didn't happen, um, at least not for me. And speaking to many of you, I, I believe it, it, it didn't happen, unfortunately, for, for many of you as well. Um, as the, the days grew longer, as the, the time you know, was extended, and you, know, you, you begin to feel hopeless and despairing. You know, as you see other Christians uh, reacting in ways that, that confuse you or frustrate you, you become, you become impatient. And through all of that, you begin seeing your, your lost friends who are struggling with it all the same way. And you begin to wonder, it's like, is any of this that I believe, this, this Christian message, does it seem like it's working for me? Does it seem like it's doing what I thought it would do? Is any of it real? Right? Is any of it true? Is there something out there that's, that's actually right? Is there something out there that's better for me? Well, it's my privilege, my hope, that I can bring you some words of comfort this morning and to just say, the basis of what Christ says. No, there's not something out there that's better. There's not something out there to reach for, to hope for, that's going to you know, be a magic wand to take you away from this world. No, there's nothing out there that's better because there's nothing out there that's more true. We've been going through these I am statements of Jesus, these words that he has spoke of himself to help us recenter, refresh, and reinvigorate our faith. And this morning, we come to Jesus' statement where he says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. This is a familiar verse to us. This I am statement of Jesus is very familiar to us, right? It's not one of those that you have to, like, go dig deep in the, the memory box to go find. It's right there, quick to call to memory. It's a very memorable statement. Um, it, it, it's easy to call to our mind because we, we hear it so often. And so often when this verse is spoken, and when it's used, it's used much like kind of an offensive weapon against people who, you know, don't believe in Jesus, right? You know, we're kind of like... Uh, like supposedly they don't believe in Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. We're like, well, you know what Jesus said? He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You're not going to get to heaven through healing crystals, Becky, right? You know, and so it's an offensive weapon. And uh, like, to be sure, this word does have like some challenge to those who would deny Christ and who would claim something else. But I believe in its context, the words that Jesus is speaking, they're not meant to be words of offense against ideological opponents, but words of comfort to his disciples, words of assurance. Now, to see that, we have to, we have to do a little bit of, uh, you know, more reading, and so let's, let's do that and jump back uh, just immediately prior to this, beginning of verse 33 of John 13. Jesus said to his disciples, little children, Yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Uh, and so Peter, um, when he hears that, he... It's probably going to happen a few times, by the way. Um, but you know, Peter, when he hears that, 
he, uh, he, he jumps, he says, uh, Lord, where are you going, right? He's like, all that uh, love one another stuff is good, but like, you just said you're going somewhere. Where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you'll follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus said, will you lay down your life for me? Like, come on, really, will you? Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So essentially, he had just said some distressing things to his disciples. One, I'm about to leave, right? And that strikes fear at anybody who is, is under somebody who's leaving, you know, that. And not only that, he says, Peter, you're about to deny me three times. And so the next words out of his mouth were this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus is comforting his disciples. And is this 11 verses that we read this morning, the word believe appears five times. Four of those are explicit commands. Jesus is saying, believe in God, believe in me, believe in me, believe in the works. Right? He's exhorting his disciples to believe because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's going to be taken away. He's going to be taken through a, a joke of a trial, that he's going to be put to death. That his disciples would have to watch it. That ultimately, all these assumptions, all these beliefs that they had about Jesus would, would wither, right? They would they begin to wonder, is he really the Messiah? I mean, how is he going to save us now? He's dead. And Jesus, knowing this was coming, knowing that they would struggle and wonder, says, believe, 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 believe. Believe this. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So in uh, the spirit of how Jesus speaks to his disciples, I want to speak this morning the same words to all of us. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I want to take each of the parts of this statement one by one and examine them as words of comfort to us, his disciples. Now, the first thing that Jesus said, the first thing that Jesus said to them is, I am the way. I am the way, implication being there to the Father, because that's the bulk of what he's saying in all this. He's saying, I'm about to go and I'm about to go to the Father. And I'm sure you'd like to know how to follow me there, right? I'm sure you'd like to be there with me. I'm sure you'd like to be there in the Father's presence. Well, good news, I have a place prepared for you. And even better news, you know the way. Philip says, um, actually, excuse me, Thomas says, um, we don't know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? And Jesus says, no, you do, because I am the way. So if you want to go to the Father, it's simple. It's through me. And so when I hear this statement from Jesus, um, it is, in a way, it, it is comforting, because I'm like, well, the good news is there's a way. But Jesus says, I am the way. Right? That's, that's an absolute statement. I am the finish. I am the way. There's one way to God, and it's through me. Well, anytime, it's just, I, I don't know, maybe it's a nature of my personality. 
Um, I don't know. But anytime I hear like a, a definitive, ultimate, absolute claim like this, I give it gives me pause, right? I kind of have an operating principle that the world is complicated and absolute statements are rarely true. I mean, besides like cis deal and absolutes. Um, that's a joke. If you don't get that, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, so when I hear an absolute statement, it, it makes me stop for a second. Like if, just, just for example, someone comes to me and says, you know, if you have a washer dryer at home, you never have to use a laundromat. I was like, well, I mean, I could conceive of a situation where like, say, you know, the washer's out, my family's out of town, um, my, I, you know, I can't get in touch with my friends, and I've got an outfit that I've got to wear the next day, um, my clothes are dirty, laundromat it is, right? So it might be correct to say if you have a washer or dryer at home, you rarely need to use the laundromat, but not never. Uh, or Subway Cubs, they say, you know, I never have fun at rodeos. And I, I get the spirit of it, uh, but... If someone says, you know, I never have fun at rodeos, even if you have, like, some moral objection to it, like you don't, uh, you don't approve the way the animals are treated, I mean, surely you like nachos, right? You know, I mean, so when Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, it gives me pause, and I wonder, well, can it be true, right? How can we know that Jesus is right? How can we know that he is the way? Well, we do, have a, we do have a shortcut. As Christians, we, we believe that, uh, that, that God's word is inspired, and we take it at face value. When Jesus says, I am the way, we believe him. But uh, we do want to undergird that, or I want to undergird that this morning, and, and to, to hopefully convince you, uh, certainly of two things. Number one, it makes absolute sense that there's only one way to God. Number two, uh, Jesus, among all of the Capiti claims to be the way, is by far the most likely. So, I believe it makes sense that there's only one way to God. There's a popular idea uh, that goes around nowadays. It's not, it's not a good idea, uh, but it is a popular one that there are essentially multiple ways to God, right? Like, for instance, there are multiple ways to New Albany. I, I could leave here, and I could take I-22, get there. I could take 178, get there. For some reason, I wanted to go to Pontotoc, come 15. I could do that, too. Uh, if you took me out of this church, it gave me a compass, appointed me in the cardinal direction of New Albany, gave me enough time and snacks, eventually I'd walk there, right? So there are multiple ways to get there. In the same way, you know, people say, well, you know, all religions are basically just describing different ways to get to God, but all of those ways are valid. All of those are perfectly fine ways to get to God. Well, they, there's, there's probably several deficiencies in that, uh, but one of the most important ones is that if you ask someone who says that, that there's multiple ways to get to God, or if you ask enough, well, like, how does that work questions, you still, ultimately, you get down to one way. Uh, here's what I mean. So, like, someone says to you, you know, there's multiple ways to God, and you're like, okay, well, how does that work? Like, how can there be you know, these different religions say, okay, well, here's, you know, Jesus is one way to God, but, but you know, uh, the path of Islam is one way to God, blah, blah, blah. Um, how can they all be correct? And they say, you get them down to eventually they say, well, really, all religions are about being a good person. And so once you've done, uh, you know, once you eventually follow your religion enough, you become a good person, right? That's, that's the way to God. God sees that and rewards that. Well, it's like, okay, well, then still, there's one way to God, and it's called being a good person, right? Or say they say, no, 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 no. It's about, it's about 
being authentic in your faith, to truly follow your, your religion and, and what you believe. Still, there's one way to God. It's called sincerity of belief, right? Uh, and so I believe ultimately that uh, there is only one way to God. There, there must be. If there is a God and there's a way to him, there's only one. I, I believe it, it makes the most sense. But say we all agree on that and, and we ask, though, well, how do we know that, that Jesus is the way? Which is a fair question, because there are many religions, right? How do we know that, that Jesus is the way, and that, that you know, Shinto Buddhism, or Shiite Islam, or some cult in the Himalayas, how do we know that they don't have the way to God? Well, again, obviously, outside of taking Jesus at his word, um, I, I believe that uh, we would have some hints. We could have some hints as to what the way to God would look like, right? I believe if there was a way to God, that it would be, among other things, unique. In other words, you know, different from all the others. That it would be understandable and attainable. And it would be effective. It would work, right? If there's a way to God, first, it should be unique, right? If, there's, if, it's, if it's muddled in among a bunch of other uh, similar ways, well, then how can, you, how can you know which one? How can you pick out the right one from the others? And I believe in Christ we find the fully and wholly unique way to God. Because Jesus, as the way, does not point us in the right direction as the way, right? So other faiths, other religions, they have a prophet, an enlightened prophet, who's able to point the way to God. They, they direct you on the path, and they, they send you on the right way, right? They're like people, uh, like, you're, like you're lost in some, you know, uh, backwards place you've never been before, and you go stop at a gas station, and someone gives you directions, and, you know, they slap you on the bumper and send you on your way. Um, well, that's a lot how other faiths, other religions work. They provide directions. They provide a path walk. Jesus is not providing just a path. He's not just giving us good directions. He's not just a GPS. He takes us to the Father. He is the way. Jesus didn't just say, following me is the way to God. He says, I am the way. But I believe that if there was a way to God, it wouldn't be just unique, but also understandable and attainable. In other words, that it would be something that an ordinary person would be able to do or to follow or to achieve or, or whatever else, right? I mean, the way to God, if there is one way, should be understandable, right? It should be something that people understand and are able to follow so that even those uh, who are children or uh, who are uh, mentally disabled would be able to understand the way to God. And I believe, and I know to be true, the way in Christ is so simple and easy to understand. Jesus says that all who come to me, I will give you rest. We believe, as we read earlier, that our faith is so simple. It's summed up in one sentence in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that everyone who believes in Christ will have eternal life. He sent Christ so that we may have eternal life, right? 
And not only that, the way to God should be attainable. In other words, it should be a way that someone should actually be able to take. It shouldn't be so complicated or uh, impossible to do that a normal human person could do it, right? Like, it shouldn't be so complicated as, like, being shocked by uh, a, a radioactive electric eel in holy water, right? It should be something that's attainable. And Jesus calls his yoke easy and his burden light because he does not leave the burden for you and me, but rather carries it himself. It is attainable for everyone. Jesus is the way because it's understandable and attainable. Finally, it's effective, right? It wouldn't do us a lot of good if the way, the way to God was like really easy to pick out, right? If it was just a big road on the highway, if it was uh, understandable and attainable, you know, if it was a smooth, straight drive, but it wasn't effective or the road wasn't finished, so to speak, right? If, if it didn't do enough, well, I mean, the whole thing's moot. So is Jesus as the way effective? I believe so. I believe uh, that, that we have a perfect salvation, and I say perfect because we as Christians actually have, I believe, the highest moral standard to enter God's presence. The absolute highest. And that's sterling perfection. God calls us to be perfect to enter his presence. But the good news is that Christ has been perfect on our behalf. And so that we may enter his presence because of his work. It works because he has done it. And so, and so we may wonder when times of difficulty come, we may wonder like Philip. We may say, uh, Lord, show us the Father is good enough. Or maybe like Thomas to say, we don't know the way, but ultimately we do. Christ is the way. I, I believe it's so abundantly clear. I believe Christ demonstrates for himself again and again and again that he is the way to the Father. But Jesus doesn't just comfort his disciples by telling them, I am the way, but he also tells them, I am the truth. Not merely am I the way to God, but I am truth itself. I am real. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not giving you just, just a alternate reality, right? I am truth itself, and I really am who I've said I am the whole time. I've sit by the Father to bring you salvation. And he tells him this because he knew, again, that they would struggle the time of his, his arrest, the time of his crucifixion, um, and his departure from them. They would begin to wonder whether he really was the Messiah, whether he really was who he said he was, whether he really was the Savior of the world. And that that wondering is one of the most difficult and frustrating experiences that we can have. When we begin to wonder or begin to rethink whether someone really is who we thought they were, maybe we had them all wrong, or maybe we've, they've fallen far short of our expectations. We may be tempted at times, we may be tempted at times like the disciples to wonder, is Jesus true? Is he real? Is he really the Savior and Lord of the world? I mean, sure, maybe he was someone who lived uh, a couple thousand years ago and who had some great teachings, but I mean, is he really all of that? Is he really true? Can we have confidence in that? 
right? Maybe you go through, maybe you go through a thought process like this, right? Uh, step one, you encounter something online. Maybe it be uh, some kind of disaster in the world, some kind of disaster in the world. Um, you, you see a, a professed believer acting like a, like a total buffoon, uh, or maybe you just see someone who's just spewing absolute hatred for Christians and Christianity online. And then step two, you commence overthinking and wondering and fretting. And you ask, well, God, how could God allow a disaster like that to happen? Where you think, well, like, how could a jerk like that profess the same Christ that I believe in? Or, or if, if Christ is so attractive as, as I believe, why, why does this person hate him? And why does he hate Christianity? It doesn't, it doesn't add up. And then so step three, you can't come up with a good answer to those questions, right? You're struggling, and you, you want to know, you can't come up with a good answer. So step four, you think, if I can't come up with a good answer to this, is any of it true? And then step five, you become miserable. And you feel like a dirty half-disciple. And then step six, you think, well, if I'm miserable, none of this must be true. Um, you're not alone, right? That's something that many of us experience often. I believe that these, again, that these disciples had a very similar thought process. If I could put myself in their shoes and imagine what it must have been like to experience seeing my, uh, my, my master and my teacher take it away from me like that, I may have wondered something like this. Step one, I believe that Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government. Step two, Jesus is crucified by the Romans. Step three, you can't figure out why Jesus died. Step four, you think if Jesus died, could he really be the Messiah? Step five, you can't come up with a good answer. So step six, you become miserable and think you've been believing a lie. Jesus' words of comfort to his disciples then, his words of comfort to us now is the same. I am the truth. I am true. You believe in me. So what do we do when we come to times of doubt like this? What happened with the disciples? And what changed there? Did they just repeat the statement of Jesus over and over again? No, but it was brought to mind as they saw Jesus in his resurrection. They saw the power of Pentecost as they uh, finally, after all of that, understood that they had seen Jesus wrong the entire time. That the fault was not on oh, Jesus failing to live up to who he said he was, but the fault was all done for making an image of Jesus that he never professed to be. Right? And I believe as we come to time, the crises of faith, it might be time for us to step back and ask, well, if we know Christ to be true, perhaps, perhaps, I've made him say some things that he never said. Right? Take, for instance, seeing someone you know, spewing hatred towards, towards a Christian online. And we think, well, well, how can that be if Christ is so attractive? Well, remember, Christ said himself that we would experience persecution, that his followers would experience even, uh, even more backlash and opposition than he did. Right? And so we must reevaluate in times of our crisis of faith and ask, have we framed Jesus the wrong way. If we made himself out to be someone he never was. 
and I believe also in our times of doubt, wondering whether Christ really is the truth. We need to regain, recenter uh, this statement of Jesus where he says, I am the truth, as in the objective truth. Right? We have this thing, we do this thing, uh, where we oftentimes begin to feel as if our feelings of whether Christ is real, our feelings of whether Christ are true, are what determine whether Christ is real or Christ is true. And I just want to put that aside. I want you to uh, meet Jesus here in his words. He says, I am the truth. In our culture, right, feelings are deepest value. It determines our reality, right? If I feel something to be true, then it must be true. But Christ says, no, it's not determined by whether uh, you're feeling that I'm true, but I am truth itself. There's a belief among some uh, Muslim theologians that God, instead of sustaining the world, in a way, kind of recreates the world, moment by moment. Uh, so uh, one moment the world exists, and then it's, it's recreated, recreated, recreated. I don't, like, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not a Muslim theologian, but it sounds kind of like, you know, renewing uh, a book at the library, right? You know, you just, it's, just keep checking out. And so God continuously recreates the world. And I think a lot of the times that we treat our belief in God the same way, that we have to continuously renew, reinvigorate uh, our belief in him, and that his existence, he as the truth, is upheld moment by moment uh, by our belief in him. And the moment we stop believing him, it's gone. But I want to disabuse you of that. I want to relieve that from you, right? That is not true. If every one of us in here were to suddenly, in a moment, just forget why we're here, what we're doing, if every Bible in the pew were to disappear, if we were to have no memory of the name Jesus, it would not make him one bit less truth. He says, I am the truth. And so our belief in him does not determine whether he is true. So in your times of fretting, not worry, he's not gone anywhere. He is truth. He's still there. But, so, uh, Jesus comforts his disciples with his claim, I am the way, and I am the truth. But finally, he says, and I think most importantly, I am the life. Right, so, if Jesus were the way and the truth, but not the life, that would not be good, right? He could just be a mechanistic savior, just a vehicle like Uber to take us where we're supposed to go. Or he could even be cruel and vindictive, right? He could be leading us towards death, telling us that he's moving us towards uh, the Father, but ultimately leading us towards destruction. But Jesus says, I am the life. I don't believe there's words of any more comfort for his disciples out to watch him be put to death. I don't believe there's words of any more comfort for us who experience a world of pain and frustration, evil, sickness, and death. I don't believe there's a word that's any more comforting than this. I am the life. 
what you're looking for and striving for, not merely just the way, not merely just the truth, but I am very life itself. I've come to give you life and to give it abundantly. There are many things in our world that tempt us to believe that it's the life, right? Sometimes we're, we're tempted to believe that our possessions, our jobs, our families, our homes, through them we'll have life, a life abundantly, right? Sometimes we're, we're tempted to believe that uh, if, if we could simply uh, work or earn enough, we'll finally have the life that we think we deserve and we've always wanted. Those are bankrupt options, right? Those are not the life. And I think deep down we know that to be true. And we continuously make this, this foolish exchange again and again for those things that are never, ever going to give us life. Right? I, I don't know how many of you I've, I've told my own personal story, my personal you know, testimony, if you will. But for me, um, I, I have a, a testimony that I think is probably similar to many of you. I grew up, uh, I had a, you know, I, I was kind of muddied by the fact that I had a confession of faith when I was young, and and, and I did follow it in obedience. You know, I wanted to please the Lord. I, I studied scriptures and, and all of that. I, I went to, to school to go into ministry um, when I was 18, right? It, the thing is, though, when I got there, I was miserable. I wasn't happy. I, uh, I mean, I, I went to all my classes. I got, I got all the grades I, I wanted to get. I uh, I studied hard, I, you know, I had good friends, I, you know, but I, was, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. Um, I, was, I, was, I was judgy, I was quick-tempered, um, I was arrogant and prideful, and ultimately, I did not know Christ as the life, right? I knew him to be true, I knew him to be the way, I didn't know him as the life. But once uh, I, I just heard a little statement from Paige. Uh, this was, we, were, we were friends at this point uh, in our freshman year. She just said something about being happier or weeks where she read the Bible more. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're happier weeks you read the Bible more. That's not how it works, right? And so uh, I, I brushed that off at the time, but it kind of stuck with me. And I came to the scriptures, though, with new eyes, as that as her words came back to me. I read again and again, and I saw Christ, what he spoke of himself, what he did, accomplished for us, and I saw it in new light. And I realized there that he had, as Peter said, the words of life. And I poured over the scriptures, and I came and felt the joy and life of the Lord in a way that I never have thus far. And frankly, in a way that I never expect to from anything else again. Because I've come to see and to know Jesus' words here are true. The one I've come to follow, the one I've come to love. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No matter what happens, 
no matter how things get, bad things get, no matter how much doubt I may feel, here's what I know to be true. Christ is the life, and he has brought life inside of me. I pray that he would be able to do the same 